From Steel Valley Media, this is the Frosty Podcast. The Fortune 500 is the iconic list of large companies in this country. When you've made the Fortune 500, you know you've made the big time. It's a measure of prestige. It says they're big enough to play with the big boys. Welcome to the Frosty Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Frost. With me, as always, Coach Tony Perenni. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and as always, you can find us on Podbean. We now have a Twitter account, Tony. You can tweet us, follow us, at FrostyPod. One word, no underscores, at FrostyPod. We're going to be posting some NFL news memes team updates uh, it's going to be a great time had by all right now we only have seven followers so looking to double that by next week at frosty pod tony we are approaching the home stretch four more weeks of the regular season i thought this would be separation sunday but uh it was not and it seems like damn near the whole league has just moved closer to the playoff bubble. Yeah, the parody is on full display right now, and we're probably a week or so away from starting to put out some playoff scenarios out there. Uh, but they're going to be very loose to start with because there's a lot up, up for grabs right now. Nothing is really solidified. Tony, we had some big trades that happened this past week. And uh, I'm going to set it up here for you. So on Monday, the 21st, Kalen King traded Julian Edelman and Melvin Gordon to Dave for Ezekiel Elliott. Then on the 31st, Kalen took Zeke combined with Brandon Cooks and traded to Groover for Juju Smith-Schuster and Nick Chubb. So Gordon going from Dave to Kalen to Steve. Um, and that last one there is Zeke and Cooks for Smith-Schuster and Nick Chubb. Uh, Tony, what do you make of all that? It's a lot of movement for uh, Ezekiel Elliott, who's uh, traditionally been one of the uh, bigger players in fantasy football here. Uh, seems like nobody's afraid to move him at this point. Um, but it looks like it, so far his paid dividends for Dave's squad, getting Melvin Gordon and Julian Edelman. He seems to have timed up about the time where the rust was going to fall off Melvin Gordon. He, he seems to be rounding into form now. Uh, if that continues going, uh, I don't think you're going to have any negative repercussions on Dave's side to getting rid of, of Zeke because he also gets – a target hound like Julian Edelman in there at receiver. And he had a big hole at receiver. Um, then you go in Kalen. I don't know if he had to pay any holding fees uh, just to hold on to Zeke for a week during his bye, but he didn't actually get to use him at all. Uh, just sits through his bye week and then trades him right away uh, to Steve. Uh, Steve gets rid of Nick Chubb and Juju Smith-Schuster ends up going back to Kalen King where he originally came from. Um, I'm not sure looking at this, you, you feel like Steve's team got a lot better in this deal because I feel like Nick Chubb was a big piece to part with on this. Yeah, I'm not, 
I'm not really convinced here. There you got one guy who is going up in his career and one guy coming down. You know, you talk about trends a lot, and those are two guys that are trending the opposite way. I think though, you know, the Juju Smith Schuster part, you know, the kind of parting from him and Kalen was real excited to get him, and I'm not exactly sure why. Um, I'm not off the top of my head, not really sure what the keeper value is there. But no, I don't I don't think Steve got a whole lot better now. Maybe with Kareem Hunt coming back, Steve was thinking that he's trying to get ahead of the of the Nick Chubb trend potentially going back down. But I think you know you and I are both on the same boat where we don't think Chubb's production is going to go down as much. Um, that Kareem Hunt is probably you know although they're going to split snaps, it's not going to be quite fifty fifty. So uh, yeah, this one just seemed kind of odd all around and I but I did not understand Kalen's excitement with getting Juju Smith Schuster. He really hasn't done anything this year. No, it when you break it all down, it essentially just becomes Ezekiel Elliott for Nick Chubb in my eyes. Uh Juju Smith Schuster with Mason Rudolph throwing to him uh is uh it's basically a toss up in there. Um and, and he trades away Brandon Cooks who is literally a toss up. He may not play again this season due to concussions. Uh so when you boil it all down it becomes a Zeke uh, for Nick Chubb deal. And Nick Chubb, I think, has been playing a little better than Zeke up to this point. Zeke hasn't really been putting up the eye-popping totals that he normally does. We've talked before. He's He's been steady Eddie this season, uh, getting you that 17, 18 points, getting his projection. But so has Chubb for the most part. So um, not sure in the last part of, this, of these deals if either Kalen or – or Steve really got substantially better. But when you look at it on, on Kalen's side, where he ends up getting rid of Melvin Gordon and Julian Edelman and then gets Nick Chubb and Juju Smith-Schuster, I think it looks a little bit better on that side because I do like Chubb's potential. I love his schedule going down the stretch. Uh, the Browns obviously have their issues, and we'll talk about that later in the podcast, but uh, Chubb has been the one constant for them from a fantasy standpoint, and he faces some really bad defenses down the stretch. I'm not convinced that Kareem Hunt is going to cut uh, real deeply into his workload, and I'm also not convinced that Freddie Kitchens and staff are going to have any idea how to use Kareem Hunt properly. So uh, I, I think it's in the end, after all the pieces have moved around and uh, the boards have finally settled, I think Kalen comes out pretty good for this. And he had a big week one um, post-trade. All right, Tony. Well, let's not make the, the listeners wait any longer. Opening bell presented by Dunder Mifflin Paper Company Incorporated. So in our game of the week, the battle of the rookies, it certainly did not disappoint. Vince Gorgonzola's grandpa's cheese barn came in and walloped on Charlie Thurber's capital expenditures, 132.5 to 100.9. And Vince now taking both games against Thurber's squad pretty much making him a shoe-in for Rookie of the Year. Uh, his win coming on the back of uh, Tyler Lockett with 40.2 points. And then, you know, Kirk Cousins in there at 21.3. George Kittle at nearly 20. Uh, Charlie got a good showing out of Mike Evans, 36 points. But 
overall, just not enough there as as Gorgonzola gets the win. Yeah, maybe relying a little too heavily on guys playing that London game for uh, for Charlie. It, it it got him pretty good with the D.D. Westbrook start, who didn't end up playing. He ended up being a late scratch. Uh, Charlie didn't realize that game started at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, so even earlier when you're over there in Arizona where he lives. Um, and then he goes and starts Gardner Minshew who also playing over there in London, weird things happen. in These London games, I'm always very hesitant to include players that aren't bona fide RB one wide receiver, one type players that are playing in games like that, because you just really see weird outcomes when the games are over there. Uh, Defenses that are normally rock solid, get blown out. Uh, Players that are normally extremely reliable, don't get any targets. It's, it's just odd. So he had three different guys playing in that the Minshew magic runs out for him. Uh, It's already been announced by the Jacksonville staff that Nick Foles is going to be starting for them uh, in the next game. So Minshew goes back to the bench. Um, Yeah. It it ends up hurting Charlie in the long run. Uh, Vince doesn't even get a game from his second receiver. Sterling Shepard ends up, uh, being a scratch going into that, but he didn't need him either. Tyler Lockett goes off for 40 points. Kirk Cousins holds down the fort with Mahomes out, and Vince ends up sweeping the rookie the rookie battle for the year. In our next game, Tony, the rumpus in Columbus. Kalen King finally snaps that losing streak. I was sad to see it. 136.4 to Tyler Kerr's 84.8. Uh, this was really a battle of teams that were struggling on bye week. Ty having five guys on bye. And ultimately, his team just not putting up a very good showing. Muhammad Sanu uh, puts up 24 points. Otherwise, team, you know, they got rest of the, the team struggling to get into the teens. Uh, so... Tony Michelle with four, Royce Freeman 2.4, not what you want to see out of RB1 and RB2. On the flip side there with Kalen, uh, nobody really going crazy there. Uh, DK Metcalf with 27 had a great game, and Marvin Jones Jr. with 26.6, Kyler Murray at 23. So uh, Marlon Mack is still a little disappointing for him, but enough to take care of it and take home that trophy of champion of Columbus. It's been a long time coming for Kalen King here after five straight losses, but he finally breaks that curse. Uh, The Nick Chubb and Juju deal doesn't really pay immediate dividends for him, but probably expect a little more, especially out of Chubb moving forward there. Chubb only gets 13 points, but it was Marvin Jones day in Detroit. We've talked quite a bit about how, uh, Jones and Galladay don't typically go off on the same day. This week they actually did. So Marvin Jones puts up 26.6. Kelsey gets uh, right around 13. DK Metcalf with 27. Caleb's uh, in a pretty nice spot with Julio Jones and Matt Ryan coming off by this next week. And Josh Gordon, who is now a Seahawk, will be interesting to see uh, if he gets any play out there in Seattle. But uh, with Metcalf blocking him for targets, that might be hard to come come by. Tyler, on the flip side, I thought for a while there he was going to break his record set earlier in the season for lowest points scored in a week. 
got a good turnout from Mohamed Sanu there in Sunday night to save him, but really nothing coming for him. He's really uh, looking forward to getting those Rams back this week. Uh, he's He's been the lowest scoring team in the league all season, but he has been prone to have a couple explosive weeks mixed in there. He's going to need a few more of those to get himself out of toilet bowl territory. Next up, Tony, the power round rivalry. Coach Kevin Hulick's law offices of Saul Goodman moving up to four and five with a 113.5 to 101.7 win against Tim Taft's the Green Dragon. So as I mentioned, Kevin moving up to four and five, only one game off of 500. And Tim finds himself in a little bit of a losing streak, dropping to three and six, fourth in the warehouse division. Kevin, you know, we've talked about his team. I don't think there's anything really shocking here. He has good showing from everybody except the Patriots defense who struggled with Baltimore. The Patriots only getting three points on defense. Uh, So puts up a pretty good team win overall. On the flip side there with Tim's team, Adam Thielen puts up a goose egg. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, 1.5, and now we get the news he's going to be out for the rest of the year. Devin Singletary at 23. Otherwise, uh, not a great showing. So, uh, Tim, now feeling the effects of the the Frosty Podcast curse as he came on and said he was going to make the playoffs, felt pretty confident about it. Uh, Now, very much in ACT danger zone. Yeah, just more bad luck for Tim here. He loses both of his receivers early in that game. If they just each, or really even if just one of them really hits the projection, he wins this week. And on the same side, you have Carlos Hyde, who puts up 14 points, but it should have been more than that. He ripped off a long run in that game against Jacksonville and then pulled a Leon Lett and fumbled at the one-yard line, which would have been six points more for him. Um, that ended up being critical for Tim as well. So just a really, really bad luck week for him uh, against another guy who's had a lot of bad luck early in the season, but has been surging since he avenges the early season loss to Tim in this power round rivalry. Had to do it without the support of the Patriots defense this week for the first time. Really, they look human when putting up three points but he puts up enough with the rest of his squad. Josh Jacobs with a very good game for Oakland out there, puts up 24 points. DeAndre Hopkins is starting to get the wheels turning. Uh, I, I think you could expect some big things for him coming up later in the season. Uh, just an all-around good win for Kevin here to keep his win streak going. Uh, Tony, your team dropping a game there to Dave Pestian's Super Sack. 151 to 115.3. You know, Dave getting good showing across the board there. Uh, Kind of a a big score for Dave and a a normal score for your team as you fall to six and three and Dave jumps to four and five. And then lastly, over with Joe Reedy squad getting the win against Groover. 152.2 152.2 to 110.8. And Joe on the back of Russell Wilson getting that win. Tony, any comments on those last two games? 
Um, I correctly predicted that Joe's team was going to start scoring again this week, and they boy did they ever. 152. Uh, it's back to scoring the way he was at the beginning of the season. He's going to need some more weeks like that because he has really had some low-scoring efforts in the past couple of weeks, and it's put him right in uh, ACT danger zone there. But a big, big win for him. Um, and then on, on my game, uh, my team hits its projection for the week, which was very low given the buys. Uh, and Dave's team showed up to play. Christian McCaffrey uh, did what he does best with 37 points, and Melvin Gordon finally uh, shows up for the first time this season and punches in a couple touchdowns, and he gets a good effort from the Pittsburgh defense. Uh, All-around good effort for Dave's team as well, who really needed a win as well. And that'll do it for the opening bell presented by Dunder Mifflin Paper Company Incorporated. Stick with us. Hey, Frosty Podcast listeners, Tony Parenti here to tell you about a spot where I took my girl for Sweetest Day this year. Hopefully you remembered Sweetest Day. If not, that probably explains the bad mood your significant other has been in for the past couple weeks. Anyway, I made a reservation at our favorite Italian restaurant, Buca de Fagaccini, home of the original Fagaccini. At Buca de Fagaccini, you're always treated like family. Their homemade Fagaccini is literally to die for. And I need to call out their world-famous tiramisu that we always make sure to leave room for. If you haven't been to Buca de Fagaccini, what are you waiting for? It's literally South Park's fanciest dining restaurant that is a must for your date night with your wife, your girlfriend, or even that hooker you paid for tonight. Tell them you heard about them on the Frosty Podcast to receive 10% off your next order because everyone's family at Buca de Fagaccini. All right, next up, we're going to welcome back to our podcast, Intern Dave. He survived another week as our beloved intern. Dave, you ready to give us some NFL news? Oh, baby, am I ready? I hope you guys are ready because the first hot topic, man, we're going to get into it here. The Cleveland Browns. What? A joke. And uh, specifically, we're going to mention on some of the uh, on the field and off the field uh, shenanigans that are going on here. Don't want to spoil anything. So I'm going to toss it off to you, Tony. What do you think of the current state of the Browns after another loss and another joke of a team performance? Uh, They're a mess. Uh, this follows up our discussion from last week. Where we were discussing whether Freddie Kitchen should be fired midseason. Um, I kind of mentioned that this past week's game was a must-win game. You're facing essentially a third-string quarterback, and you came out and you got beat again. Um, it's just you, you look at the last two games coming out of the bye week. You have New England two weeks ago and Denver this past week. Two very critical games for this team. Uh, and they come out and look completely unprepared for both of them. It's inexcusable. Uh, you have the incident with the shoes in this past game, uh, which seems like it's something trivial on the surface, but it, it's, it's a symptom of a, a bigger issue, which is there is no leadership on this team. There really isn't. Uh, Freddie Kitchens uh, has really been running a country club since he took over as head coach. Uh, and this comes straight from the top. Uh, John Dorsey, as we mentioned last week, the coaching search that they had was a joke. It really wasn't a coaching search. They essentially handed Freddie Kitchens this job. He wasn't qualified for it. He wasn't prepared for it. We could 
we could call this out back in the summer and uh, essentially have a good idea of how Freddie was going to look. But at the time, you know, the amount of talent they were bringing in was so intoxicating. You thought that they could supersede the coaching. Now we know for a fact that can't happen. And your, your leader on the field, Baker Mayfield, uh, whether he's acting like one or not, and he is not right now, he is the one who's looked at to be the leader on that team. And he is in a terrible funk for his sophomore season. Yeah. And Tony, I think this looks like a team who, and we've talked about it before, has completely bought into their hype. It, it's, it looks like a bunch of college kids who, uh, you know, they go in, they expect to win. You know, the whole Baker Mayfield, and this is, this is small, this is trivial, but all this stuff is tribu- trivial until it starts adding up. But, you know, he comes in with the beard, and then he, he shaves it to a Fu Manchu. Fine, it's fun, whatever. Then he loses and is like, well, now I have to shave it again because uh, I don't want to look stupid in a press conference when we expected to win the game. You know, this is the problem with the Browns. They're, they seem to be much more worried about image than they are about winning. Evidenced by the shoes, the watch, the pant length, the mustache, the Rolls Royce. It's just, it's uh, most of those were Odell Beckham Jr. references, but it, but it's, it goes on and on. And then you have this stuff with Jermaine Whitehead sending out the the tweets, threatening to kill fans, uh, threatening, seemingly threatening a, a broadcaster in the Cleveland area, uh, you know, and the Browns end up cutting him. This is the kind of stuff that happens to bad organizations, bad organizations like the Raiders, bad organizations like the Browns. You don't see this stuff happen in New England. You don't see this stuff happen in, happen in Baltimore. You don't see this stuff happen in Seattle. They're first-class organizations. The Browns are at the bottom of the barrel, top to bottom. So it doesn't matter what player you bring in. It doesn't really matter that much which coach you bring in because your elite coaches don't want to go to dumpster fires, and that's what the Cleveland Browns are and have been and seemingly will be. So I, I, just, I don't see this getting better anywhere in the near future. Like you said, they have a giant leadership problem. Uh, you know, I'm not a big Hugh Jackson fan, but on Hard Knocks, he at least said, hey, this is my team. I sit in the chair. Everybody knew who the leader was, like him or not. Uh, with this team, I don't know who the leader is. I don't think there is one. Uh, I think you have, you know, a bunch of guys who are, well, we're going to lead by committee, and that does not work. Yeah, this team has, has two major issues right now, and the one starts from the top. Um, and it, it's the guy who we have uh, heralded quite a bit for his ability to acquire talent, and that's John Dorsey. Now, you're immediately seeing the downside of John Dorsey, and you're seeing his weakness. Um, he's a great talent evaluator. He's great at accumulating talent. He doesn't uh, look too much into character of players. It's more just get acquiring talent. Um, and then I, I hate to sit here and agree with Colin Cowherd, but he's been saying the entire offseason, the Browns hired a yes-man at head coach, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, John Dorsey did not want anybody who was going to fight him for control of the final roster, as uh, many coaches in the league have, because they're the ones out there coaching the talent. They're the ones that should usually be the ones defining who's playing on Sundays, and 
uh, who's going to be on the final game day roster. He didn't want that. He wanted to set everything. He wanted to be in complete control. So he, he hired a guy in Freddie who, who um, was really just happy to be getting a head coaching offer because uh, it was something he was completely unqualified to do. And um, congratulations to John Dorsey on this one. He's got all the power of a very, very bad football team right now that has all the talent in the world, but can't seem to put it together. Because um, coaching is a major issue on this team. You look at this past week, there is no attention to detail on the field, on the offensive side, on the defensive side. Uh, if this is the way Steve Wilkes coached out in Arizona, then it is no wonder to me why he got fired after one season as head coach, because that defense cannot, has no gap integrity whatsoever. You line up at the end of that game and uh, Denver comes out on wildcat on, on second down, and it looks like the defense had no idea what to do with it. Now, wildcat, I, I used to coach defense in college. Wildcat is not a hard thing to adjust to. You put in an adjustment for it back in training camp that you always check to when it comes out, and you check to it, and it's a dead play. But they had no idea how to react to it. Philip Lindsay runs for a first down game over, just like that. This team is so poorly coached, it's ridiculous. And, and I, the second component that I'm talking about right now is Baker Mayfield. He is he has completely regressed this year. Um, I still think he is a good quarterback. Uh, some of the stuff he was doing last year as a rookie, it, it wasn't fluky stuff to me. Though His performance in the red zone, his pocket presence, uh, the, the natural feel he had, the accuracy he had, uh, none of it was flukish to me. He showed some things that, that franchise quarterbacks do. And then going into this season, it's very clear to me he was not working on his craft this offseason because now his mechanics have gone to shit. His uh, feet and his eyes are never aligned. He's never looking where he's supposed to be looking uh, on any given play. Uh, the one that keeps coming up is obviously the fourth down play in this Denver game. Uh, fourth and four, he forces the ball into double coverage to Jarvis Landry when Odell Beckham has Chris Harris beat one-on-one on the outside and he doesn't even look at him. Uh, that has been happening all season long. So I'm an Odell Beckham owner on the fantasy team. I can tell you right now, most of his lack of production is not on Odell Beckham because he has been open very often. Uh, Baker, I'm not positive if uh, – I don't, I don't know whether he's going to come out of this funk this season or if it's going to take another uh, off season to get him fixed and get his head on straight. Uh, but he's hurting this team on offense right now. So it's a combination of Dorsey and Baker uh, and Freddie. As, uh, you know, he's not the one causing the issue. He was the one who was just unprepared to coach it. Uh, if somebody offers you a head coaching job, you're going to take it. But he, he was not prepared for it. They're going to have another head coach in Cleveland next season. That's almost a certainty. This season's over. Um it's just it's a shame, and it's a shame mostly for us, the fans, because uh, they had us all bought into this. Uh, the, the fans have been tortured for long enough here and, and really thought that this was the season where things were going to turn around, and it looks like they're going to have to wait for at least another year. Uh, but if they have to trust John Dorsey with another coaching search, I, I don't know how hopeful you can feel going into next season. Well, yeah. Tony, you, you know, you touched on a, a lot of different things there. And just to chime in real quick, um, you know, just trying to to include the, the listeners, I wanted to give a little bit more context on the, the Whitehead tweets and some of the, the things that he said. 
So just, you know, directly from his Twitter account, I figured I'd, I'd read a couple things. Uh, one tweet, come get it in blood, bitch, made ass little boy. Don't get smoked. So, you know, that one, not probably the best grammar, but uh, this other one, a little bit more elegant. Uh, Fuck you, he wrote in one reply. So it's, uh, you know, it's 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 kind of an interesting approach on his end. Uh, Apparently, he had some issues with his hand, a broken hand. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But I think that uh, I think his response is telling not only of his uh professionalism but also uh, as as you both have said the uh you know the the control that the leadership on the team has over these individual players and uh and frankly it's it's kind of worrisome one question i'd like to pose if you guys don't mind is is it possible that uh maybe on on certain plays that Baker is forcing the ball to Odell too much. It, 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 Beckham's got a history of of being a, a a bit of a diva at times. All the best receivers that we know, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, they you know they they definitely like to get loud when they're not getting the ball thrown their way. Now early in the season, Jarvis Landry got a lot of opportunities and he he made the best of them and some of our better games were the games where Landry was more involved than Beckham is it possible that you know that that struck a chord with OBJ a little bit and and possibly uh you know forced a little bit more pressure on Baker to to deliver the ball to him a little bit more Derek what are your thoughts yeah, I think I think we see this, like you said, with, with all the major wide receivers. Um, you know, when we were talking about Antonio Brown at the beginning of the year, you know, when when he looked at Roethlisberger's, you know, total number of interceptions, uh, all but a couple were trying to target AB. So, like you said, these these premier receivers, they come out, they want the ball, and and look, I get it. Uh, you know, Chris Carter used to always say that you know you have an open door policy as a coach uh but the wide receiver coach has a has a cracked door policy you, you can't let these guys run the team and and i, I kind of wonder if if an overall issue is that obj is the leader potentially of that team and he's he's not the kind of you can't have a diva receiver as your as your leader um looking at his targets he has 67 targets as far through eight games uh, so give or take, that's about eight targets a game, uh, as opposed to last year in New York, he had about ten targets a game. Uh, previous to that, he's been averaging about ten targets a game. So it, he's not getting a lot more targets than he has throughout his career. Uh, but is Baker trying to force it in there? I'm not really seeing a whole lot of that. Uh, as I watch, but I'm, I'm also kind of getting frustrated and turning those games off too. Uh, so Tony, I'm curious your take on it. Uh, first couple weeks of the season, he was absolutely forcing the ball to Odell Beckham the first two weeks specifically. So the Titans game, the Jets game, uh, I think a little bit in the Rams game, but after that, he's really been spreading the ball around a little bit. He's actually been forcing the ball to Jarvis Landry more than Odell Beckham recently. 
the, the issue with Baker right now is his, his eyes are just never in the right place. And he's from a timing standpoint, he's a second late reading everything. Uh, and his feet are never aligned with where he's throwing the ball. So that's why you keep seeing his passes either sail a little bit or come a little behind the receiver. He's not showing the pinpoint accuracy that he was this past season in, in 2018. Um, so it, it's just odd because uh, you see somebody who's able to do it for basically a full season. You know he can do it, but uh, if you're not practicing your craft all off season, uh, you come out and all of a sudden you're a second late reading everything, then the rest of your body can't align to it. Um, I, th I think for Odell and for Jarvis, I think a lot of the issues have just been ticky-tacky things like talking about the shoes, talking about the visors, the watches, that type of stuff. Really on the field, I haven't got the impression that they've been an issue from a teammate standpoint. Uh, every, all the beat reporters pretty much in unison have said Odell Beckham has been a, a great teammate since he came here. He's doing a lot of stuff off the field, uh, with the, the children's hospitals around here. He bought shoes for the entire Cheney football program when they came up to, to Berea to visit. Um, and he's been a, a great teammate out there. And he's, I think being with Jarvis Landry helps him a little bit because he wants to see Jarvis succeed the way he succeeds. Uh, now, is that going to continue if the team continues down this stretch? Um, that remains to be seen. Uh, I, I think at his core, Odell Beckham is a guy who badly just wants to win. Uh, he definitely has some diva to him. I don't think uh, he obviously wants the ball, but if, if they're winning games and he's getting six, seven targets a game rather than 10 or 12, I don't think it's going to be an issue. It's when they keep losing and losing and losing, and he, he knows he can be a factor. Uh, yeah, you might, you might see a few blowups from him. All right, well. As always, we could talk about the Browns for quite some time, and I'm sure you guys would love to continue, but we are moving on to the next NFL hot topic, and that is in regards to Cam Newton. Cam Newton has been uh, you know, a, a very popular and I think for the most part well-liked quarterback in the league from a, a fan perspective. He's sought out often as a, a leader in fantasy points, which is always important for our listeners. But, uh, you know, the last couple of years, he's been a little lackluster. And especially this year, he's spent minimal time on the field. And uh, it, it looks like he was just recently placed on IR. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure what the the timeline is. I, I From what I can see, he had a, a social media post that was pretty vague. And, uh, and, and, and I'm not too sure if, if he's going to be coming back this year to the, to the football field or even, you know, next year to the, to the Panthers and leading that offense. Um, I will say, uh, as a, uh, coach of Christian McCaffrey, I am very satisfied with his performance. So whatever they're doing, they could keep that up. That'd be great. But what's next for the Panthers? And, even more importantly, what's next for Cam Newton? Derek, what do you think? Look, uh, Cam Newton, although I think in the, in the couple games he had this year wasn't what Cam has been in the past, Cam is still an incredible and elite quarterback in this league. Looking at last year's number through 14 games, he had a 67.9% completion percentage. That 
was his best of his career. Past ones have been inching up towards the 60% range in the high 50s. So I think Cam was still getting better. Uh, the the question is, is was he on a downward trajectory or was he injured? Uh, as you look at quarterback rating, Cam overall in the history is number 34. Ahead of of guys like, you know, Brett Favre, Jim Kelly, Roger Staubach. So Cam Newton, you know, there, I think there's a lot of, of folks out there saying that, you know, the, the Panthers are better to move on from him. I'm not in that camp. Uh, you know, is, is Kyle Allen going to be your guy? You know, he's has a 53% completion rating this year uh, and ESPN QBR of 48.6. So it's not like he's lighting it up. Uh, Cam gives you that that running ability as well as the passing ability. This is the first real major injury. This is going to be the first season since at least you know 2011 where he hasn't played in at least 14 games. So he's a big guy. He generally stays pretty healthy. He he looks pretty good on the field. Um, we'll see how he bounces back from this injury. And maybe that's what's scaring people. But uh, I'm still in in the Cam Newton camp here. I I wouldn't get rid of him if he was on my team. I think we're seeing a lot of, you know, a lot of teams. These quarterbacks don't always pan out. And if you you got a guy that that can take you places, you let him take you places. I don't think this is a Matt Stafford situation where he's just good enough to make you mediocre. I think when Cam is in the right situation – uh, and obviously with McCaffrey doing what he's doing, you know, you get that one-two punch and the Panthers are going to be a force to be reckoned with. Well, Cam stayed pretty healthy up until last season when the, the shoulder incident, uh, I think I think around week 10 came up um, and all of a sudden he couldn't throw the ball past 20 yards and played a couple of weeks like that. Uh, his, his QBR really took a hit at that point. He was having a pretty solid season. Um, like a season that was up to par with most of his other ones up to that point, um, and then ended up missing the rest of the season and comes into this year, ends up having this list Frank injury. Um, I think you're just seeing a culmination of body blows on Cam Newton now because he, he was never the prototypical pocket passer. He was going to sit back there in the pocket and just throw darts. Um, he's always a guy who relied on his legs for a lot of it. And, for a lot of um, his career, those were designed runs, especially in the red zone. Uh, you get down to uh, first and goal, second and goal from the six or seven. He's running QB power into the end zone like uh, like he's a fullback or running back. Um, he's big enough and strong enough to do that, but eventually the culmination of those hits start to build up. Now he's he's going to be 31 heading into next season. Um if he starts losing some of that mobility, which is really the question at this point, um, I think he becomes a less effective quarterback. Uh, definitely not an elite one anymore. The question is, is he still a better quarterback than Kyle Allen, even without his mobility? And I think that is a very fair question. Um, but at the end of the day, everything I'm reading uh, seems to point in the direction that the Panthers seem to be pretty committed to going towards Kyle Allen at this point. Cam has one year left on his deal. 
at $19 million um, that they could be completely out of if they cut him. Um, or I'm, I'm sorry, they would carry $2 million in dead money if they, if they cut him, uh, which in the NFL world is, is little to nothing. Uh, so all signs from Carolina seem to be pointing towards them uh, cutting ties with him after the season, whether we think it's the right idea or not. If I were them, uh, I'm not super familiar with their cap situation, but I would probably let him ride out this contract and see how he bounces back from this, knowing that you have Kyle Allen in your back pocket who can step in and play because uh, Allen has been decent. He's held down the fort. They're five and three with him, but he is no Cam Newton. I think if you could squeeze another good year out of Cam and maybe make a playoff run, I think it's worth trying to do. Um, so Derek, it just begs to ask the question, if, that scenario does happen and the Panthers do end up cutting him. Where would you expect him to land? Cause I, I can't fathom that he wouldn't be a starting quarterback in this league next season. No, I, I think there's a lot of, a lot of teams out there who are young teams looking for quarterbacks. Uh, a Miami jumps out. I think, you know, the Browns are going to stick with Baker, but uh, you know, like I said, Miami sticks out. Uh, Tampa, you know what's going on with uh, with Jacksonville? Are they full on with Gardner Minshew, or are they looking to move move forward? Um, you know, Denver. You know, I, I don't think they're real happy with Flacco at this point. They're moving on on from Flacco. So there's a lot of teams out there that I think he could do well, and uh, you know, he's he's a good veteran presence. He. You know, a young team, you get a quarterback behind him that he can start to mentor. And I, I, you know, if I if I were a fan of any of these teams, I'd be happy, real happy to have Cam Newton on my team. Um, You know, I know, you know, kind of the the Super Bowl was a little bit of a turning point for him going more downhill. But uh, again, I, I think having essentially this whole year off, I know he has an injury, but He'll have ample time to rehab. I, I think I think we're going to get a, a new version of Cam Newton. Better or worse, I don't know. Time will tell, but I'd be willing to roll the dice. I think the two places to fix your eyes on as potential landing spots for him. Uh, one you, that you mentioned, Tampa Bay. I think uh, they're definitely going to be going in a different direction than Jameis Winston after this season. I did just can't imagine they're going to deal with his turnovers for another season. I think they've seen all they need to see from him. Uh, you take the good with the bad with him and, and it's been more bad over the, over the course of his career uh, and continuing with Bruce Arians this year. Uh, I think Cam would be a pretty solid pick for them there because it would give buy them a little bit of time to go out and hopefully find an eventual successor to him and he can hold down the fort and win them some games, especially with those big receivers that they have in Tampa. I think the other place to look at is Chicago. Uh, they are souring very quickly on Trubisky and for good reasons. Uh, he has struggled immensely this season uh, in his second year in Matt Nagy's offense. Uh, defenses have caught on to what he was doing last season. And in reality, he really wasn't playing that well against good defenses last season, but this year he isn't playing well against bad defenses either. Um, he, he's just not adjusting to the NFL game very well. Uh, it doesn't look to me like he's a franchise quarterback and the bears are going to find themselves in position uh, with too many wins 
to get far enough down in the draft to pick one of those stud quarterbacks that are coming out in this draft. I think Cam would make a lot of sense for them there. Again, not real familiar with what their cap situation is, uh, but if they plug him in there with that defense uh, and their ability to run the ball, they have some pretty good weapons at receiver too. Uh, I think that could turn them into a playoff contender uh, right away without making them rebuild things there in Chicago. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how this Cam Newton saga plays out. I don't, I don't think any of us really want to see it end this way in Carolina, but if that's really what is happening, um, you know, you hate to see it. Yeah, I think, I think Chicago, I hadn't considered them earlier, but yeah, I think that may be a very good spot. Chicago has been, you know, struggling from a quarterback standpoint for a long time. Is Cam Newton the answer? I don't know, but Cam Newton might be a better stopgap to get a younger guy ready to go. Um, So, yeah, I'm actually kind of, I I don't, I think the Panthers could be a much better team with Cam than without. Uh, but if he is to to move on, I'm with you. I think he's definitely going to be a starter. It's the question of where. Um, and, and both teams that, that we mentioned, uh, you know, and again, Denver, I guess, is a number three team in there. Um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see. I agree. And, you know, just a quick closing comment on that from me. I would say that... Uh, Cam Newton seems like the kind of guy that plays with a with a, a bit of a chip on his shoulder. And I think that when he's frustrated or feels like he's disappointing his team, he can he can step up to that challenge and play a little bit better. And and I don't think this is gonna be the last we see of Cam. Um is it gonna be in Carolina? I'm I'm not too sure either, but I'm sure we'll uh, we'll definitely be saying his name again in the near future. So with that said, that is the conclusion of our NFL Hot Topics. And thank you as always, Intern Dave, earning your keep around here. Get back to work. Yes, sir. Next up, one of our favorite segments, the ACT Power Rankings. Presented by the Basement Fitness, official gym of the Letterkenny Irish and Shamrocks for over 200 years. Tony, take it away. I'm going to do the honors this week and unveil my ACT power rankings. You let me know where you have some issues there, Derek. Uh, I'm going to start um, on the opposite end. Number four, I have Joe Reed's Footloose Prosthetics. They got a big win this week, which was much needed. But a uh, number of low-scoring weeks going into that. Uh, Keenan Allen has really, really cooled off from a hot start. Um, Tyreek Hill, he finally gets back, and he's going to get back with Mahomes, which should help him quite a bit. But he has a Le'Veon Bell injury that he needs to keep an eye on there. That Jets offense is floundering right now. Um, they have a very good schedule down the stretch, so they really have no excuses uh, to have poor output. But... Uh, it's something to watch there. Allen Robinson has been targeted quite a bit for him, but Mitch Trubisky's issues have made him pretty anemic on that end. Uh, one place Joe doesn't have issues is quarterback. seems like whichever quarterback he plugs in there puts up points for him. 
I'm just a little concerned about the rest of that lineup right now, and I think it lands him in uh, toilet bowl territory here. What do you think, Derek? Yeah, so Joe is the sixth team in points four, but I'm concerned about his schedule moving forward. Uh, this week he has Vince Gorgonzola's Grandpa's Cheese Barn. Then he goes on to take Tim Ta- take on Tim Taft's Green Dragon. Then again going up against Vince and then closing out with Dave Peschen's Super Sack. Joe has been a team that has been hot and cold all year. Uh, scores ranging from 175 down to 78.8. Uh, he either is going to light it on fire or be the dumpster fire. And it's really hard to tell which version you're getting. So I think this is probably a pretty good spot for Joe. Uh, We'll see if he can come around and have that consistent effort from his team. Uh, When they're on, like I said, they're on. So he could go and be 4-0 the rest of this this way. He could just as easily go 0-4 the rest of the season. So I think at the end of the day, he'll be about 2-2. And this is probably a good spot. All righty then. Number three, I have Dave Peston super sack. He came off a big win against me this week. His team has been performing better as of late, uh, even with the Ezekiel Elliott trade. Uh, Melvin Gordon shows up in his lineup this week and puts up some good points for him. Edelman has been solid. I am really just concerned about his lack of depth. Um, the schedule for New England is going to get tougher down the stretch. They don't face all the cupcakes that they had early on. Chris Carson, one of his top running backs. Here is the schedule for him down the stretch starting next week. The Niners, then a bye week. Then week 12, you had the Eagles, who have been tough on running backs. Then week 13, the last week of the season, you the Vikings, who are tough on running backs. And then if you get in the playoffs, you have Rams and Panthers. I think it's going to be tough sledding for Chris Carson moving forward. He's really going to have to rely on Christian McCaffrey, as he has all season, uh, but may have to rely on him to carry the entire load that's uh, just his lack of depth still just bugs me and i think it lands him at number three on this list yeah i, I can't argue with you there but i'm i i just have a feeling dave's team's gonna come out and and that's really all it is 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 a feeling i have him just outside of our act power rankings in this spot here i have kalen king's team uh so he's seventh in points for he finally snapped that losing streak, but I think uh, he's going right back into it. He takes on Charlie Thurber this week. Then he takes on a hot Kevin Hulick's law offices of Saul Goodman. Uh, next up, uh, Tim Taft's the Green Dragon, and then Tyler Kerr. So I, I think he's probably going to beat Ty in that, but I'm not sure if he beats anybody else. Um, maybe, maybe he can beat Tim if he, if, uh, if Tim has a down week. So I'm, uh, I'm concerned for Kalen more so than Dave. I think Dave's been trending better, uh, and Kalen has been trending terribly. So I have, I have Kalen in that number three spot. Very interesting, Derek, and way to bury the lead on the next one I'm going to talk about here. Number two, I have Tim Taft's Green Dragon. Just a couple weeks ago, we were talking about him being a playoff team, and I I did really like his roster, and then it just got blown to bits with injuries right after that. Uh, No fault of Tim's. He's trying to hold that roster together with his weekly roster moves. 
Uh, but right now, he's got Devontae Adams back. Adam Thielen re-aggravates his injury. It looks like he's probably going to be out this week. David Johnson is questionable again. He's got a nagging injury that might uh, make him hit or miss on a week-to-week basis. He finally gets A.J. Green back, but A.J. Green has Ryan Finley throwing to him now. Who knows what's going to come from that? I look at his roster right now. I see Kalen Balaj in one of his running back spots, which I'm assuming slash hoping that he's going to swap out in a in a move on the waiver wire because Kalen Balaj is not a good football player, no matter how many get carries he gets. Uh, there's, there's some real concerns with Tim's roster here right now just because of how thin they are given all the injuries. And I think it lands him down here at number two because you find yourself in a situation where Deshaun Watson and hopefully a healthy Devontae Adams and Darren Waller are going to have to carry a ton of the load for him because you're not real sure what you're getting at the running back position or that other receiver spot. Uh, he, and he's been the most unlucky team so far. No team has been scored on more than him. Uh, I think it lands him in ACT territory here, and it's something for him to worry about. Yeah, I have Tim in this spot also, in this number two spot like you do. But I'm a little bit more optimistic that – and I kind of debated I, – I didn't think he was going to be good enough to overcome Kalen uh, in the number three spot. But looking at Tim's next four games, he goes up against Dave Peschin, who has been doing better. Then Joe Reedy, and we just talked about Joe – He's hot and cold, so it depends on which version you get. Then he goes up against Kalen King's team, uh, and again, that one can be a toss-up, and then he closes it out with you. So ultimately, I don't know how many of those games he's going to get. He could get three of the four. He could get zero of the four. And ultimately, when you are that much of a question mark, you're going to be in that ACT danger zone. Um, you know, Does the luck turn around for him? I don't know. It did for Kevin, uh, but I think in a similar conversation we had about Kevin, the question of is it too late? I think the answer we saw with that is no, but at the same time, Kevin's team was much better than Tim's is now. Uh, Tim's sitting there at number, I believe, eight as far as points four. So he's uh, hitting bad luck with points against, but not doing himself a ton of favors there with points four. I have Tim also at number two. And that leads us to number one, the top spot, the guy who should be sharpening his pencils for that exam. I have Tyler Kerr. I tried to talk myself out of putting him there. I tried to work around it because his logo is so spectacular. I didn't want to put him in this spot, but alas, I had to. Just looking at his lineup right now, he's so heavily dependent on Rams. He's the lowest scoring team on in the league. Uh, but as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, he does have a tendency to have a week or two in there where his entire team just explodes at the same time. If that happens in the ACT playoffs, he can get himself out of jail real quick uh, and have somebody else in the driver's seat there. But if we're just looking on a week-to-week basis as far as whose lineup do you trust going through and to keep them out of that, that area there, I just can't trust his lineup right now. He's so heavily dependent on Aaron Rodgers and Rams players that – it's almost like he just needs to diversify a little more, and he's running out of time to do it. What do you think, Derek? Yeah, I'm with you here. I mean, Ty has put up only 988 points so far this season. Uh, compare that to 
uh, Charlie Thurber's team, who's sitting there in ninth place at 1,065. So that's 77 points less than the next team. Uh, and he's sitting there at fourth in points against. So it's not like he's having a whole lot of bad luck in the points against column, but he's facing about 100 points overall more than he's put up. As we as we dig into the rest of his schedule, you know, when when you're scoring this few points, it's hard to say that anybody looks like a win for you. Um, but but again, you know, as as we look at it, we see he's going up against Kevin this week, uh, you next week, Charlie Thurber, and then Kalen King. So you know, I you can't you can't circle any of those and say, oh, he can win this one. Um, if he has the, that week that all of his players go off, then great. He'll he'll pick one up. But I, at this point, I, I think he goes. I think two and two would be an amazing finish of the season. But I think that may be a generous prediction there. So I'm with you here. Sorry, Ty. Uh, we love you, but definitely sharpen the pencils. Make sure you pay attention to Dave's ACT uh, prep questions. Um, you you did well on the ACT in high school. Let's see if that'll carry you through now that we're, uh, we've been out a few years. And those are the ACT Power Rankings presented by The Basement Fitness, official gym of the Letterkenny Irish and Shamrocks for over 200 years. Next up, we have the Frosty Hotline presented by Ollivander's Wand Shop maker of fine wands since 382 BC. You can find them in Diagon Alley. Welcome back to the Frosty Podcast, coach of the law offices of Saul Goodman, now on a three-game win streak, Kevin Hulick. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad to be back. Glad to be on the streak. Now, Kevin, we've talked a lot about about you and your team specifically on this podcast because I think you have been the most unlucky team thus far. But I kept predicting that you would turn it around. And sure enough, now three wins in a row. You find yourself at four and five, second place in that warehouse division. And in the if the Season ended today. You'd be in the playoffs. So, you know, what uh, what have you been going through and your team been going through this season? As you saw, you know, you're sitting there at second place in points four, but the uh, the record, the win, the wins just weren't coming. Well, I mean, that was very frustrating. But I'd like to point out that I don't think you were always really on my side. Because early in the year, I believe the podcast gave me some some pretty negative press coverage, which which is fine. I just want the record to note that, as at Saul Goodman Law offices, the most important thing is the record. But uh, you know, it was frustrating. Um, I had confidence in my team, though. I knew that we could put it together, and now we're doing pretty well. We're in the playoffs, but. It's a it's a tight race. It looks like, you know, the last two seeds, the five and six. That's I mean we have potentially six teams that are in that race. So it's gonna be it's gonna be tight. But I have confidence. 
Well, now, Kevin, since you put us on blast here, we're going to respond. You know, I think that what makes a good uh, sportscaster is that you have a very short memory and you don't let uh, previous picks hold you down. I'll tell you over the last four or so weeks, I've been on uh, Team Saul Goodman, and I think that Uh, is what the record should show. I I think it's a longer record than that, but... You know, that's fine. <laughs> I just want I mean, to point out all, as well. But... As, hold on. As, just as someone that had to listen to these podcasts, you know, hearing, oh, I just don't see it with Kevin's team. He's got that Patriots defense. It's all the Patriots defense. Oh, no, there's, <laughs> they aren't going to deliver. Then I have to hear poor Aunt Mary Beth come on the podcast, the only person that would say anything nice about me. Oh, I love Kevin. Not picking him, though. Love him, though. (laughs) That was a rough week. Everyone picked against me that week. Kevin, I just want to go on record as saying it wasn't just us that were down on you after the draft. ESPN rankings had you dead last, too. So... Uh, you've you've had a meteoric rise from where you started post draft, and well, trust me, we've noticed. <laughs> you've I, been no, putting I up points left and right. Just like so, uh, I mean, aptly named. No, no one had confidence in little Saul Goodman back when he was little Jimmy McGill in the in the in the mail room. But here we are, thriving empire. So, Kevin, you 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 teased it a little bit there. Let's talk about your best player on your team, the Patriots defense. Uh, what can you say about them and their performance so far? Uh, they have been phenomenal. Uh, last week was a little rough, but, you know, I was – after the first week, I had the Jacksonville Jaguars defense, and they got me a whopping negative eight. And so I said, that's not going to work. And – there was the Patriots defense just on the scrap heap. So I picked them up off the waiver wire and they've, they've, they've delivered very consistently. I mean, they're a phenomenal defense. They've faced some terrible offenses. The schedule is going to tighten up a little bit, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. And we've had other good performers though, too. I think we should expect a very big second half of the season from DeAndre Hopkins. Well, and Kevin, I think, you know, talking about schedule and whatnot, you're going to need it here. You got Tyler Kerr this week, which I think you'll be able to take care of. Uh, Kalen King the week after that, who's been struggling. But you're going to end your season here going up against Tony Perenni and, and Vince Gorgonzola. Uh, you know, and, and Vince is the one team who has scored more than you. So I, I, uh, I don't know how you're going to handle the rest of this season. My guess is two and two. But what are you looking at here going down the stretch? Well... I mean, honestly, I think two and two may be enough to get in the playoffs because it's a 10-team league. Six teams make it. I mean, last year, a team that was six and seven made it. I think if I go six and seven, I would, you know, things stay the same. I'd have the highest points, so I'd be the highest-ranked six-seven team. So that's possible. Um, but I I mean, I would say that I, I have probably the, one of the best wide receiver cores in the league, so, and they're starting to get hot. Hopkins is heating up. You know, even uh, a guy like Cortland Sutton, I, he can't see the field, and he's been productive. He has a backup quarterback. He's now the number one receiver, and he's been productive. So I think there's there's quality there. I think we'll be all right. 
Kevin, let's talk about uh, the power round rivalry between you and Tim. Uh, Tim gets the best of you in round one. Uh, back, yeah, a great game. Back in week five, he puts up 169 points. Big, big performance for him. You put up 141 in a losing effort, but both you guys really showing up that week. And then you got him back this past week here. Uh, much lower scoring affair, but 113.5 to 101.7. How did it feel to, to uh, get a little revenge on him for that game one? Well, I feel I, he, he's had poor luck. Uh, but, you know, that, that's, that's how it is in this league, I suppose. I, him and I can relate on that front. Uh, it was, I mean, it was nice to get the win, nice to keep winning. I, I do recall the loss against him was almost the lowest point. Followed by the abs- I, th- I believe the next week, I got absolutely crushed by Ty. That was the week before. Either way, that was about the darkest hour of the season when I got beat by those two teams consecutively. But you know, uh, it's nice. To, it's nice to be back. It's nice to have a little, little confidence, a little momentum. All great things. All right, Kevin. We'll we'll end with this. Uh, we had Kalen on this podcast. He came in boasting quite a bit and then went on to lose five straight and we had tim on uh he came on talking about where he was guaranteeing playoffs he lost three straight we had steve on he ended up losing a game after the fact after he recorded uh it pretty clear there seems to be a podcast jinx out there are you worried about coming on here and what's going to do to your team moving forward no i'm not I, I don't guarantee anything you know i I do my level best. Uh, it, when people are for me, that's nice. When people are against me, I know what that's like too, as we talked about. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to keep, keep churning along. I have confidence. I don't, you know, uh, when you're a self-starter, like the loss is a Saul Goodman, you, you know, you gotta, you gotta ride the highs, but you can't let the lows sink you. Well said, Kevin. Thank you for joining us. Good luck to you the rest of the way out. And uh, hopefully that Frosty Podcast jinx doesn't get you and you're able to get this win against Tyler Kerr. I hope so. But, you know, if not, we regroup and we, we fight on. Although it's, it'd be nice to get back to 500. Haven't seen that for a while. All right. Thanks for joining us, Kevin. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. And that is the Frosty Hotline presented by Ollivander's Wand Shop, maker of fine wands since 382 B.C. Yeah, I told you, the guy's a fucking liar. No, I get it. I, I get it. It's a made-up question. All right, it, it's fine. I figured it out anyways. Okay, I, I, I've got to go. Oh, Frosty listeners, intern Dave here, a.k.a. hashtag paint that shed. Believe it or not, I haven't been fired and the sponsor hasn't dropped out on me yet. Speaking of sponsors, this edition of the ABCs of the ACTs is brought to you by the very patient and passionate Hooked on Phoenix. Last week, we ran into a bit of a speed bump with our review question. But guys, this is why we practice. Rome wasn't built in a day. After the segment, I spent the next 60 to 65 minutes really breaking down the question. I used all the right units to double and triple check myself. I'm talking miles per hour, 
feet per second, light years even. And the answer is basically half a mile. Okay, the, the, the bridge is a half a mile long. And the beauty of last week's question is that I never read the multiple choice answers. So here you go. The answer is E, 0.5 miles. It was so simple. This week's question, also, walk in the park. So let's jump into it. In order to qualify for the year-end tennis tournament, Sam must win at least 60% of his matches. To date, Sam has won 14 of his 18 matches. Of Sam's remaining 13 matches, what is the least number that he must win in order to qualify for the year-end tourney? Easy. Sam's played 18 matches. He's got 13 left. Don't be a broke-ass, Sam. Win all 13 games. And, and you know what kind of bothers me here? These ACT writers and their political correctness using a gender-neutral name like Sam. I mean, come on. Okay, well, it's 31 games. 60% of 31, 18.6. It's not baseball, Steve. You can't play .6 rounds of a tennis match. So Sammy Sosa better win 19 of them. 14 done, 5 to go. The answers be piece of cake. For next week's question, I'm inviting all the listeners to tweet or comment in our Discord channel. Pick a number, 1 through 60. Whatever it is, I'll pick the question. I know your question you're thinking right now. Oh, what if I pick one of the ones he's already done? Too bad, I'm doing it again. And make sure you tweet at the new Frosty Twitter account. And don't forget to use that hashtag paint that shed this has been the abcs of the acts brought to you by hooked on phoenix you should be studying a lot aloha mora than you currently are now back to the show welcome back to the frosty podcast and next up we have the forecast presented by goliath national bank the world leader in credit and banking joining us to help us pick these games is friend of the podcast and unfortunately married to the public enemy number one of this league welcome to the frosty podcast melissa groover Hi, I'm so excited to be here. All right, Melissa, are you ready to get underway? I'm ready. All right, in our first game, we have Joe Reedy's four and five footloose prosthetics going up against Vince Gorgonzola's seven and two Grandpa's Cheese Barn. Now, Gorgonzola expected to win this one 129.9 to Joe Reedy's 120.6. Melissa, does Vince win this one and go to 8-2, and two, or is Joe able to get back in the 500 column? I think Joe's winning. All right. I like the underdog, and I like Dak Prescott's name. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to go opposite of you here. (laughs) Uh, You know, I too enjoyed Dak Prescott, uh, but Patrick Mahomes may be making that comeback. 
And that will help both teams. So Patrick Mahomes on Vince's team is probably going to be throwing the ball to his old buddy Tyreek Hill on Joe Reedy's team. So I think this game comes down to how many of Mahomes' touchdown passes go to Hill. And if that number is the majority or all, then Joe might be able to take this one. But I think Patrick Mahomes coming back for vengeance off that injury. Uh, Saquon Barkley still doing Saquon Barkley things. Never missed a step from his injury. Uh, I'm going opposite of here. I'm taking Vince. Tony, break this tie. But Joe's team finally broke that streak of poor showings that he was in this past week uh, when he broke out against Steve's squad, which I correctly predicted the week where he was going to break out. But I'm not sure I see it happening two weeks in a row here. Um, just looking down his roster, Dak, Pros- Dak Prescott has a rough matchup with Minnesota. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, we don't know if he's healthy or not. Uh, it's, a, it's a good matchup for him, but if he's hobbling, that might hurt him a little bit. Uh, Keenan Allen has been in a funk ever since the first three weeks of the season where he was uh, seemingly setting the league on fire. I'm just not sure if I see the points coming for Joe again this week. Uh, Vince gets Mahomes back. Barkley had a uh, pretty average game for him this past week, but I don't see that happening two weeks in a row. I think he gets back to his uh, normal 20-plus point ways. I think Vince goes to 8-2. and two. In our next game, Kevin Hulick's law offices of Saul Goodman take on Tyler Kerr's Cyberdyne Systems. Now, Kevin has been uh, really turning the ship around and is expected to continue that this week, 109.2 to 66.2. Now, both teams here feeling bye weeks pretty hard, with Kevin having seven of his players on bye week and Tyler four. Now, all four of those guys for Ty are on his active uh, starting roster, which is why we have such a point difference. But, Melissa, this is going to be a tough one to pick because we don't know what final rosters are going to be. But how do you see this game going? I think this is an easy one. I pick Kevin's team because his name is Killer. we got to love the Breaking Bad references and, of course, (laughs) the – the Better Call Saul reference. I, I have always been a fan. However, the logo for Tyler Kerr's team almost makes this one a wash for me. No, that was that was a conflicting factor. But in the end, the law office of Saul Goodman. I get it. And I can't disagree with you here. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go also with Kevin Hulick's team. I know he has, the bi- has a lot of the bye weeks. Patriots defense being one of the big ones there on by, but Tyler's team has overall not shown up very much. He's going to get his Rams players back, which is going to help, but I'm just not convinced it's going to be enough. And I think that Kevin Hulick goes to 500, helping to solidify his spot potentially in the playoff hunt. Tony, is this a clean sweep? Well, as I stare at my computer screen here and just look at this awesome logo from Tyler Kerr's Cyberdyne Systems, I just have a hard time thinking that he's not going to put his best foot forward this week when he gets a whole fleet of Rams back, uh, healthy and rested. 
Um, Aaron Rodgers had a very down week for him, as did the entire Packer team this past week. I think he bounces back big for him. Uh, Amari Cooper against Minnesota, if he has Xavier Rhodes on him, um, he, he could eat a little bit because Rhodes has been struggling a little bit. Um, and on Kevin's side, he has to experience life this week without the Patriots defense, which has been the great differentiator for him throughout the season. I'm going to go with the upset here. I'm going to go Cyberdyne Systems to pull off uh, a slight victory and put an end to Kevin's winning streak. See if it happens, Tony. I think you're wrong. <laughs> In our next game, Dave Pestian's four and five super sack goes into town to take on Tim Taft's three and six, the Green Dragon. Now, as we talked about, Tony, uh, Tim trying to get back on the podcast because he's feeling the Frosty Podcast curse a bit after <laughs> saying he felt pretty confident his team was going to be in the playoffs has uh, gone on a little losing streak. This week, though, he is projected to turn it around. He's projected 91.5 to Dave Pession's 72.7. However, Dave, only five players not on bye week on his current active roster. So, Melissa, does Tim break the losing streak, or does Dave get back to 500? Tim's breaking his losing streak purely because I can never pick Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady on a bye week. So uh, I'll, I'll give you Still a chance like to him. change this. Still don't like him. All right. So the fact he's on the roster, whether he's playing or not, Dave's team's out. I get that. Now, this is the tricky part here because uh, both quarterbacks right now for, for the teams are on bye weeks. And... Tim being dealt a blow here with losing Deshaun Jackson for the year. At the end of the day, I do think Tim's team is going to be better top to bottom. Uh, I think he's going to get pretty good production here. Uh, AJ Green is back. So he's projected for 13 at this point going up against Baltimore uh, if it's a Baltimore team that went up against the Patriots, though, he's not going to get that. Uh, but on the other side, I just I just don't know who Dave is going to have in there. Uh, Christian McCaffrey going up against Green Bay. That is no joke of a defense at this point. So I don't think Christian McCaffrey is going to be able to do what he's done all year. And I give the nod to Tim. Tony, is this one a sweep? This is a tough one here because Tim's team has just been crippled with injuries. And then this week, Dave's team is just riddled with buys. So Brady Edelman fells uh, his kicker, Elliot. Uh, he's got a lot of bye weeks to deal with. And we've mentioned before how uh, depth is not a strength of Dave's squad there. Uh, on Tim's side, he gets A.J. Green back this week. He's going to have Ryan Finley throw to him in his NFL debut. Not real sure what that's going to look like. Uh, I think a lot of the Cincinnati playmakers right now are uh, you're you're really speculating on what they're going to do. But going back to what I said about Rodgers, uh, I think he bounces back. I think with that, I think Devontae Adams bounces back. I think Tim gets enough to finally end his losing streak. Um, even with that hole, he's going to have a quarterback. He's going to need to fill in the waiver wire here. I think he gets just enough. Next up here, we have Charlie Thurber's Six and three capital expenditures 
going into town to take on Kalen King's three and six prestige worldwide. Kalen finally snapping that losing streak since appearing on the podcast and talking all the smack. The question is, is will he be able to make it two in a row right now projected to win by one point, 129.7 to 128.7. These guys appear to have their roster set, not being hampered too much by bye weeks. So, Melissa, how does this one go? You know, the projections are close, but this one's easy for me because Charlie is a vol. And vols are for life. Have a pick, Charlie. The Rocky Tops staying together. Rocky Top. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think for that exact reason, I'm going to go opposite of you. <laughs> uh, I'm not an Ohio State fan, but when it comes down to Ohio versus Tennessee, hang on, Sloopy. Sloopy, hang on. Kalen no. King takes this one. Tony. Which state do you call home? <laughs> Which well, that's state an easy do you answer. To call home? <laughs> that's an easy answer, Derek. It's obviously Ohio. Um, just, but but I'm, I'm going to actually dig in to what's going on with these two teams and making my selection here. I'm not going to take the cop out of what state I live in. Guys. <laughs> no loyalty in Ohio. I see. <laughs> when I look at these records, you have Charlie Thurber at six and three. On the opposite end, you have Kalen King at three and six. But when you look at the points scored, Kalen actually has more points scored this year than Charlie does. It's uh, completely luck of the draw there. Kalen obviously had that uh, very rough patch that he's just now coming out of with this latest win. Uh, I think he has some pretty nice matchups coming this week, though. Kyler Murray against Tampa Bay. Marlon Mack goes against Miami. Uh, Nick Chubb goes against a Buffalo defense that just allowed Adrian Peterson to rush for 100 yards. Uh, he's got some juicy matchups in there. Looking at Charlie's side, uh, he's got a couple nice ones. Mike Evans in Arizona, Michael Thomas in Atlanta. Uh, but you have to deal with road game Jared Goff going into Pittsburgh. I don't expect that to be a real good outcome for him. I, I think Kalen gets back on track here and makes it two in a row and gets to four and six. Uh, I believe, Melissa, he picked Ohio in that one. <laughs> in our game of the week, Steve Groovers, the EBDBB&B, sitting at five and four, go in to take on Tony Perenni's six and three, Nooks and Fannies. Now, Melissa, I'm going to paint the picture here for you a bit. Okay. Imagine those frigid January winters in Northeast Ohio. <laughs> it's a snow day. I don't know if you know what that is, but that's when it snows so much they cancel school. You know, we get snow days when there's like a centimeter of snow. Yeah. So that's not enough <laughs> to play snow football, which is what automatically happened on those snow days. We would go to one of two places, Melissa. We would go to Tony's backyard, set up perfectly for, for outside winter football. Or we would go to the lot behind Steve's house, a little more room. And we would have epic, epic snow football games. And Steve and Tony were often 
the captains of each of those teams. And as they separated the rest of the group into whichever team they were choosing, we knew we couldn't let down our fearless captain. They go against each other this week. Right now, Steve is projected to win 131.6 to Tony's 104.6, but not so fast. Tony has two guys on his starting roster on bye weeks. So that roster has not been set. Tony still waiting to pick the last of the friends for his team. So, Melissa... As we approach January, I want you to think about that snow falling and who is better equipped to handle snow football as you pick between Steve and Tony. Oof, this is a, this is a tough one for me because if there's one thing Tennessee taught me, it is loyalty. And Stephen is my husband, and I love him more than life. However... He never listens to any of my fantasy football suggestions, including his team name, which I just found out is not related to the office, which is what I was told it was. (laughs) Secondly, Tony has Alvin Kamara, who is probably my favorite NFL player ever. So I think I think I have to go with I have to go with Tony on this one. That may be the greatest pick we've had on the Frosty podcast. The upset. Also, Stephen has been in the South for a very long time now. And so I think Tony might have it when it comes to snow football. Yes. Steve, you are getting soft. Your wife said it. <laughs> oh, this is great. I'm going to agree with you just because I'm I'm shocked. I thought there was no way you were picking Tony. I hate picking Tony. It's the <laughs> least favorite thing I do on this podcast because I just love to see him miserable. But you know how I love to see more miserable? The guy who won the championship the last two years. The guy who keeps changing the rules to benefit his team. I want to see Steve go down. I want to see him at 500, one game away from being in the losing column. And I want to see somebody other than Steve take the championship, whether it's Tony, Vince, Charlie, I don't care. Steve, I hope you lose the rest of the year. I'm picking Tony. <laughs> Wait a minute. He changes rules to benefit his team? Yeah, he's the commissioner. There's a little He told me he couldn't change rules. Yeah, well, he's done it. Oh. <laughs> Tony, I know you're not going to pick this game, but what are your thoughts going into this heated matchup? I'm still in shock. I got picked. I'm not even sure I can break this down. <laughs> I, I was fully unprepared. I, all I can say is we go back to those snow football games in the past. We were never allowed to hit Steve because he was always playing baseball. So this <laughs> is my revenge at that now because now this is me hitting him back. His own wife picking him against him. I love it. Yeah. No, this is this is absolutely phenomenal. You, we can't write this kind of stuff. Um, I wish we could, but this is amazing. <laughs> Melissa, thank you for joining us. You are welcome back on the podcast every week, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> if you're going to keep picking against Steve. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. And that is the forecast presented by Goliath National Bank, the world leader 
in credit and banking. What a great pick by Melissa there. Still shocked with her final pick going against Steve. But that'll do it for us here at the Frosty Podcast. We are presented by Steel Valley Media on behalf of the Fortune 500 League. I'm your host, Derek Frost. Your co-host is Tony Perenni. Our overworked and underpaid intern is Dave Peschian. We'd like to thank Coach Kevin Hulix and, and Melissa Groover for joining us this week to make our podcast extra special. Good luck to all the fantasy owners this week. And for those of you in our ACT power rankings, looking at you, Ty, it might be time to make sure you sharpen up on quadratic inequalities and matrices. We'll catch you next time. He just walked in the door. (laughs) Oh, that's excellent. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) Did you pick your team yet? Don't tell him. You get to listen to find out who I picked. I know you picked Alvin. It's fine. <laughs> fine. Everything's fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> and we'll Tell me. Games. Okay. What's that? He said he won his intramural basketball game. Yeah, you're playing against a bunch of freshmen. When nobody's impressed. All right, tell them to shut up. We have recording to do. Love you, Derek. Yeah, whatever. Tony, I know. That was a lot. Deep, shut up. (laughs) Jesus.